Welcome to the Packet Pushers Priority Queue. I visited the 98th meeting of the Internet Engineering Task Force in Chicago, courtesy of Huawei, who helped to fund travel for no reason other than to help us get the good word out about what the IETF is doing. And to that end, we're speaking with several working group leaders and other IETF participants about what is on their minds. Today, the topic is hackathons. We are talking about hackathons, which may not be the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the IETF. The IETF is all about making standards and documents and so on, and you kind of think of that primarily not code. But our guest today is going to enlighten us on what the IETF hackathons are all about, Charles Eckel. Charles, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm Charles Eckel. I work at Cisco. I'm in our developer network, our DevNet team, and within the IETF, I chair a few working groups, but primarily I'm here to talk about the uh, IETF Hackathon, which I chair as well. Okay, so this is my first IETF meeting that I've been to, and as I've gone to different of the sessions and heard different uh, drafts be presented and so on, one of the recurring themes is rough consensus and running code. And So the rough consensus part could be as simple as, all right, if you like this idea, you think this is a good thing, everyone hum, and then everybody hums. And depending on the fervency of the hum that can indicate rough consensus, and then something is, is moved along. But running code, to me, was like, well, who's actually doing that? Because you never heard of, you know, well, this is an IETF. I mean, it's not like an incubator for open source work or these kind of things. But, but I guess that's kind of what the hackathons are about. Yeah, it is to a large extent. And I think if you look back to the very early days of the IETF, that's where that mantra of rough consensus and running code came about. The way things worked was, if you think like primarily of like routing protocols and those types of things, it was very important to have multiple implementations of anything to prove that it worked. So in the early days of the IETF, I think whenever you had a standard, you would have the draft that was being produced and you would have multiple implementations of it to prove that it worked. And so rough consensus and running code, that was kind of the mantra that came out of that. Now, I think what we've seen is over time, not really intentionally, that the IETF has strayed from that a little bit to where the rough consensus part tended to dominate the, uh, the conversation and the way we worked. And so the hackathon is really an effort, I would say, to restore the, the balance, um, especially in light with all the great stuff that's going on with open source in the industry. I mean, it's been there for, for many, many years, and, uh, but now there's more of an uptake, I would say, in open source. So leveraging that to kind of bring more running code into the IETF and try to help the whole process go faster, work better, and put the work that the IETF does, put it in the hands of the software development community sooner by providing not just a document, but also running code that implements it. Looking at the the history of the hackathon, it looks like it started IETF 92. Is that sound about right? That's right. Actually, it was a a combination of things that kind of led to that. One was I moved into the Cisco DevNet team in fall of 2014, and um, I attended the IETF meeting. It was in in Hawaii, a really nice meeting. Cisco was the the sponsor, (laughs) and uh, Dave Ward was the... um, there's always a technical talk that the sponsor does at an IETF meeting. So the Thursday speaker series, they call it. He gave a talk there, and his talk was on open source and standards and that, that the work the IETF does is, is really valuable, but that we need to maybe rethink what we're doing because we're not keeping, we being the standards organizations, are having a hard time keeping pace with the innovation that's happening in the open source community. 
Yes, that, that's a conversation we've had on Packet Pushes a number of times. How, you know, what is the relevance of a standards organization when you've got open source projects that are out there just saying, okay, USDOs do what you're going to do, but we are moving ahead because we've got these problems to solve and we're writing code. Look, it works. Off we go. Why do we need you? So it was, yeah, I, I remember that talk of Dave's. It came up. He may have even come on Packet Pushes and talked about it at some point. He's been on the show a few times, so I know that topic came up. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. And I was at um, that IETF meeting with sort of my, my new Cisco DevNet hat on thinking about, okay, uh, what DevNet does is we help people build on top of products and solutions that Cisco provides by helping them understand the APIs and how they can use them to, to innovate on top of, say, the platforms that Cisco is providing. And so for me, those platforms also contain a lot of open source code. They support a lot of standards. And so I was kind of looking at it from that perspective of, hey, these are the standards that we implement and that you can leverage to, to build on top of. And so I was at that IETF meeting thinking about that, and I listened to Dave's talk. And afterwards, um, we thought, well, okay, so what can we do here? And that was where the idea of doing the IETF hackathon came about. Did you make the mistake of volunteering? Ah, uh, kind of. Uh, <laughs> I, I made the mistake of talking about it and yeah. then getting volunteered. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, That's how that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so for people that maybe don't live the life of a coder uh, that are listening to the show, because we got a lot, of, a lot of operators in the show, maybe they don't code. What's a hackathon as such? Yeah, actually, that's a great question because there's, there's a lot of different types of hackathons. And I think what we do... And the way I set up the the hackathons in the IETF is actually pretty different from most hackathons. Um, traditionally, when, when when I think of hackathons, it's like a 48 hours, a real intense bunch of people come in the room, try to you know, no sleep. Let's let's energy up. drinks, pizza everywhere. The, yeah, those are critical components, <laughs> and and it's very competitive. Sometimes there's a lot of prize money on the line. And so you work really hard to produce something really cool in a short amount of time. Now, in the IETF ones, it's not that we're not working hard. We certainly do work hard, but we don't work overnight because you got to remember too, that right after the IETF hackathon, we have a full week of IETF meetings, which are grueling as well. So we're not killing anyone here. And we're competitive, but really everyone's working toward a common goal of making the standards I would say accelerating the standard process, making them more relevant, creating reference implementations that people can use to implement the standard. The, the standard says, you know, the header is supposed to look like this, and there's several conditions of, of uh, may, must, and should, and, you know, other criteria. Okay, now that we've all put this together and we think it's a good idea and the silicone people have signed off on it, et cetera, great, let's put some code around it and figure out what we, what, what we missed. Right, so we're really trying to change that process, right? We're trying to bring the code up and have it occur in parallel with the definition of the standards. Us, to inform the drafts as they're being developed. Exactly. So feedback into the working groups is one of the primary things that we try to drive with the IHF hackathons. So at the end of an IHF hackathon, yeah, we, we do have winners and we have little prizes that we award. But really, the common goal that everyone's working for is Let's try implementing these drafts. Let's feed whatever uh, we need to back into the working groups to improve them. And let's produce utilities, reference implementations, whatever that we can put in the hands of the development community outside of IETF so they can start experimenting with these standards as well, with the whole goal being to uh, arrive at a better standard quicker 
and to have it get incorporated into open source projects much quicker too, because that's happening in parallel with the definition itself. Okay, well, that, that feeds into my next question then, which is what are folks actually hacking on? Are they working on specific open source projects? Are they just saying, okay, well, here's an idea and I'm going to build something from scratch? How does it, how does it work? Yeah, so almost everything we do has to do with either a, an existing RFC or a, a draft that has been uh, posted within the IETF. And then it could be just a brand new little open source project that was spun up for the hackathon. But more often than not, it's a larger open source project that already exists and trying to add support for, say, this new standard into that. For example, there's a lot of work in the IETF around NetConf and RESTConf and and Yang models. And so one of the things we've done is with the Open Daylight project, add support for those standards and technology into Open Daylight. So the end result is some code that helps validate the standards and the models that are being developed and gets upstreamed, you know, as a contribution back into open daylight. As an example, I would say that's one of the really good examples of what we're trying to do, because now the open source project, open daylight, is making use of these new technologies being developed in the ITF very quickly at the same time that they're being defined, rather than waiting years for models to stabilize and then, you know, it's too late. Right. <laughs> All right, so the results that they end up with oftentimes get upstreamed into the open source projects. That increases uh, or reduces the adoption time, uh, which is a good thing. Because And now you've validated that this actually works, which could inspire other people that want to leverage this going, oh, look, there's examples of this actually existing in the wild and so on. Now, you're, you're with Cisco. Cisco has, has an interest in this. I know they're involved in Open Daylight as well. Uh, other sponsors of the hackathons? Yeah, so I guess we have uh, different ways of sponsoring the hackathons. One is um, monetary sponsorship, and so Cisco did that the first year, like provided the sponsorship money I needed to run the hackathon, and with a ton of help from the IETF staff. It's not like I'm doing the whole thing. They have the AMS uh, staff within IETF helps a ton with running the hackathons. But financially, you know, you need to pay for food, for space, for T-shirts, for prizes, so that money covered that. And then um, last year, 2016, uh, Huawei um, sponsored the hackathon for, for that year. 2017, we've actually, unfortunately, needed to scramble a little bit for sponsorship. So Ericsson and Mozilla both pitched in kind of last minute to help fund it. And uh, Cisco DevNet provided the, um, the T-shirts. So we had those bases covered. And, uh, and so it, it's not like the hackathon needs a ton of money, but it needs, it needs some, something to get the event off the ground and, and, uh, and happening. It does, because yeah. the, the space doesn't come for free. We want to provide food, you know, there so that people don't need to leave. Um, those, those things all cost money. Not a ton of money, but I think it's money very well spent if, uh, if people are interested in sponsoring, and, and we're actively looking for sponsors. Okay. What's the event actually like? I'm sort of imagining folks with laptops sitting in a room and maybe folks that are working on a com- common project clustered together and just going at it. Is right. that roughly it? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. You know, the, the guidance is it has to be something that's relevant to the IETF and to help move IETF work forward. Other than that, anything's a fair game. So uh, the way it works is I look for what I call uh, champions. And these aren't people who win. These are people who volunteer to lead a project um, around a certain technology space in the IETF. So they will come and say, hey, in this working group, we're working on TLS version 1.3. I'm going to be a, a champion there to help people understand the technology, give them some ideas of things we could work on, 
and then help them come up to speed on you know the project and be a, a contributing member of that team. So that's interesting. You, you, you champions a catalyst, but it, but you kind of implied something there that you don't have to walk in having already worked on a particular project necessarily. I mean, if you're a capable coder and you're interested in contributing, you could, in theory, walk into an IETF hackathon and under the guidance of a, of a champion, get something going immediately without having already, you know, I've already contributed all these things and had all these commits in GitHub with my code. It doesn't, isn't necessarily that. Right. No, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up because when you look at the hackathon, there's really two main things we're trying to drive. And the one I've hit on a lot already is the speed and relevance of, of you know, kind of the IETF standards process. The other thing, though, is bringing new people into the IETF, helping them get excited about what the IETF does and become productive. You know, university students, software developers from the open source community who weren't aware of or participating in IETF standards, to bring them in. And with their software development skills, pairing them up then with some experts from the IETF on a certain technology, those new people are able to come in and start contributing almost right away. And I think it ends up being a great experience, um, much better than um, if if you've ever been to an IETF meeting. It's basically assumed that you read all these drafts and now you show up to discuss them. So if you just show up at a meeting, it's not very educational, I would say, and not very... Yeah, some people, some people check ahead. Raise your hand if you've read the draft that we're about to talk about, and you know, so they get a sense of the room and where they're at. But right, yeah, there is a presumption that you have some clue as to what the topic is. It's about so to there's that little bit of, I'd, I'd say, a learning curve or a coming up to speed. It's, it's hard to get plugged in initially into some of the ITF work. The hackathon, I think, on the other hand, is a very good way to come in. And some of these people who have never done anything in the ITF, they, they have fantastic development uh, skills as a software developer, better than some of the folks who are working on the standards. And so when you pair them up, they're able to work together very well. And now these people you know, participate and contribute like real material benefits to the IETF right away. And they get plugged in. Now they know people because they worked with them over the course of a weekend and really got to know them and understand the work. And that's, that's powerful, too. That's another big part of what's happening at the IETF that I've noticed. I actually tweeted about this, that you know, there's so many interesting sidebar conversations that happen. There's the meetings where you're in a room and you're addressing specific drafts and things that, are, that need to be handled by a particular working group. But then I've noticed as just walking around and then being engaged in a few myself, all these side conversations that happen in between the meetings and uh, you know, off in the hallway or people are headed off to lunch and there's now there's three, four, five people that are getting you know, just, hi, I'm so-and-so. And you, know, you, you meet these people and then you find you have a common interest and you start drilling in on a problem you know, very quickly. And uh, all these um, clusters of folks, like uh, yesterday I was uh, getting ready to record something in one of the, the rooms. There was a cluster of five people that were deep in on something, whatever it was they were talking about. <laughs> yeah. And just a, just a common scenario. So that that's valuable. One of those things that you can't replace with with a mailing list or a Slack group or IRC. I mean, it, those are helpful tools and necessary because we all live where we live and need to communicate. But that FaceTime you get with someone every now and again really creates a bond. It's incredibly valuable. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's certainly true with the hackathon. Um, you know, we do allow and, and try to do our best to support remote uh, participants because we realize not everyone can travel. And um, for some things, it's it's pretty easy to work remotely. But especially when you're first coming up to speed with something and, you know, you don't know a lot of people, it is so much better if you can be uh, right in the room. And even for 
for everyone who's working, it's like you were saying, there's a lot of things that are unscripted and just happen because you happen to be standing next to the person having a coffee, having a beer out for, you know, what, and that's when a lot of the, the real valuable stuff ends up happening. And so it's, yeah, taking advantage of people being together in the case of the hackathon in one room over the course of, you know, two days is a uh, hugely valuable. And, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot gets accomplished. So a couple of practical questions about the participation. Um, what sort of development languages should I have a handle on? And, uh, and then if I think I want to participate, how do I do that? Okay. Well, in, in terms of the development languages, it really varies for each project, I would say. We have a lot of projects that are using Java, mm-hmm. some C++, some C, because you know, there's still stuff uh, done, especially in the routing space with that. There is a lot with Python. Um, when you start looking at the stuff we're doing around, uh, say, with RESTConf, a lot of that. The code around that would be used, um, done with Python. But it really depends. If you look at each project, uh, there'll be links there to, say, the drafts, to code that's in GitHub or somewhere else. We have a, an IETF hackathon organization within GitHub where we keep projects if you don't already have a home for the code that you want for your project. So the champions would typically say, okay, here's where our code is, here's the drafts, here's the tools or, or languages you should be familiar with, and so you go from there. So it's, again, it's, it, anything's fair game. It just depends on what's best for that project, for that team. And so someone's listening to this and they're going, that's, that's cool, I want, to, uh, I want to participate. How do, I, how do they get involved? Okay, so pretty low barrier to entry. To attend an IETF meeting, um, there's a registration fee that's uh, required, but it's open to anyone to register for the IETF meeting. You don't need, like, your company, to, for example, to be a member of the IETF. For the hackathon, there's no fee. It's, it's free. It's open to everyone. Uh, you don't need to attend the IETF meeting that follows. I think it's great if you do, but if you just want to come attend the hackathon, you can do that too. And we have some people who that's their first experience. They just come and they do the hackathon and then they leave. It's, it's nice that that's free because that's a you know, low, low barrier to get in because I think the IETF meeting registration is – it's not hugely expensive by conference standards, but it's, it's, I think it was $900, something like that. It's like six, six to 700 somewhere is it, in that yeah, range. Yeah, okay. But if you're young, you know, college student, maybe just getting into this, that could be a thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Whereas the, the hackathon doesn't cost you anything. So that's – Yeah. So and, – and that's why the sponsorship part's important, right? Because none of this obviously is going to be offset with uh, registration fees because there is none. So anyone can participate. We uh, – registration for the hackathon typically opens up about the same time registration for an IETF meeting opens up. So far, we've always had the hackathons the weekend before an IETF meeting. Uh, we may try some other things, but that works really well because, as I mentioned, feeding like results or findings back into the working group is a big part of what we want to do. And so being able to have people who worked on the hackathon or in the hackathon present their project to people in the working group meeting and say, this is what worked, what didn't work. Here's where we had to invent new stuff because it wasn't covered. Those types of things, those all come out, and the working group can act on it immediately because they're meeting. So the timing's very convenient. But, you know, that's not to say that we won't at some point do an IETF hackathon outside of an IETF meeting as well. Mm. And then um, you mentioned remote participation earlier. How, how does that work? Yeah, so we do a couple things. Well, within IETF, we use, um, there's a company called uh, Miteco. Uh, we use them to facilitate remote 
participation in each of our working group meetings. And so we use that as well within the IETF hackathon, both at the very start where I kind of kick things off and introduce the projects and and the way the weekend's going to run. And then at the end where we have people present their projects, that's done that way too. But uh, the majority of the communication is within that smaller team, within a, a team that's working on a specific project. And we have a Jabber room that we set up for that. But on top of that, it's often just whatever that team decides is best for them. Just like we didn't say, hey, you need to use these programming languages or whatever. The way they want to communicate could be whatever. It, uh, it's very free format that way. And I think if you're a remote participant, the key thing is make sure that you get you know what project you want to get involved with. Because if you're just working on a project on your own, it's you're going to be on a little island, right? But if you're working with people who are physically in the room, then you just figure out how to communicate with them and the rest kind of take care of itself. So, now, There's a mailing list too. Is, uh, does it make sense to jump on that mailing list if you're interested in the hackathon or what's that mailing list really for? Yeah, yeah. The, thanks for bringing that up. The mailing list uh, is hackathon at ietf.org. Anyone can join it. We use it for from one meeting to the next. So it's used both for people to ask questions about the hackathon. It's used for people to say, hey, this is a project I'm thinking of doing at the next hackathon. Anyone else interested in this? So you can subscribe to that at any time. We then also use it during the week of like during the hackathon to share information. So that's, that's where basically everything related to the hackathon happens. Um, and it, again, that list is open to everyone and it's perpetual. So you can subscribe and unsubscribe uh, as it's useful for you. So any, any good war stories, any uh, you know, real highlights from either from this hackathon or one of the recent ones that would uh, be worth sharing? Hmm. War stories? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, those things that pop up that uh, you know, were, a, were a fun highlight. It didn't have to be a, a war story as such, but uh, you know, something cool got done and it was able to you know, really, really had a positive impact on a draft, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I'm always in awe about with the hackathon, and it's not really a, a specific instance, but it's, it's how passionate these people are about what they're doing, the people who, who participate in the hackathon. Because as I mentioned before, there, there really isn't a lot of prize money. I mean, there isn't prize money. There's just these little kind of token gifts of appreciation and, you know, the recognition of your peers uh, if you win and one of the winning teams. Yet people are willing to show up the weekend before an IETF meeting, and rather than maybe go off and do some sightseeing or whatever, they're in the hackathon room for the whole weekend doing stuff. And, I mean, we, uh, we close the doors at like 9 or 10 p.m. just so that the hotel can lock up and, and clean up and that. And I always need to kick people out. And then <laughs> the next day they're there. I mean, these are people who might you know, drag their butts into the, the working group meeting, but, but they show up ahead of time to get into the, the hackathon room and start working again on their projects. To me, the, the dedication is amazing. I remember um, the very first hackathon, I had to take a picture of it because if you ever heard about the IETF, there's always uh, jokes about cookies because it seems like we're driven by, <laughs> by cookies and it's a mandatory thing that all meetings have cookies. So, you know, they brought in like this great lunch spread and there was this tray of cookies for dessert. And they brought that in like a little before noon. And by 1230, this food was just like still sitting there. No, everyone was so deeply involved in their projects <laughs> that I had to actually say like, um, hey, if we don't go and eat some of this soon, they, they might start coming <laughs> taking it away. Gone, yeah. And it was just uh, 
you know, that was the first hackathon, and it kind of dawned on me then that, okay, this is something special. There's really this sort of pent-up need for this within the IETF. It's just continued and, and grown. So, uh, so who was the winner this year? Who, and what was their project? Oh, okay. So we had, there were several winners. There isn't always like a, an overall winner, but I believe our winner this time was, um, uh, it was a combination of projects around TLS and DTLS. They were doing a lot there, implementing some of the, the new things in the standards, putting them into the browsers, and, uh, you know, like Google Chrome and Mozilla Firefox. And then there was other kind of side things around that where people were doing things with just certificates and the fact you had the experts in the room who deal with that kind of stuff. Now you could come and figure out how to make, say, uh, your piece of technology work better with it. So there was a lot, a lot going on there. We had a really interesting project around captive portals, and I think that's a huge annoyance for so many people, right, where you're, you're on your, your phone and you, you're on a Wi-Fi network, but it's not really working. I, I met someone who paid his own way to come here just to work on, uh, to be involved in Captive Portal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so they were one of the winners, just demonstrating some of what you could do um, using ICMP messages as kind of feedback then for you to render something that's like, hey, you know, things aren't working the way they should be or that you would hope and try to, you know, remedy it. There was also a great um, one I really liked, um, university folks from IIT. They did a project around WebRTC, um, a WebRTC PSAP for, like, emergency calling. And so integrating in your E911 experience with using WebRTC there for not only making it work, but showing how you could deliver a much richer experience with, like, location information and, you know, maybe in the future video and that. Because it's just once you bring everything onto IP and into, say, a WebRTC environment, there's so much more you can do to improve safety. And so that one was really neat as well. Yeah, so that's just a few of the winners. We did have a few others, but um, yeah, the, it, was, it was a great hackathon. Great. That's great. Well, Charles, are you uh, social? Do you blog or tweet or anything like that where people could follow you? Oh, sure. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's see. So on Twitter, E-C-K-E-L-C-U. So it's like my last name and then my initials, C-U. And then there's a couple different places I blog. I um, well, the IETF Journal is a place where um, I've published articles there about the hackathon and, and other topics. And then within Cisco DevNet, we have um, blogs. There's one that's, say, for our whole Cisco DevNet team, and I have a specific space there for open source and standards, and uh, I write stuff within there. And so if you go to the IETF hackathon site, you'll be able to see links to those blog posts and see results and information from all the previous hackathons. So, Charles, just before we close here, um, when's the next hackathon? Yeah, so we're already starting the planning for the next one. It's at um, IETF 99. A meeting will be in Prague. It's in July, middle of July, again, right before the main IETF meeting. Yeah, I think Bagapush is going to be there. I think Greg Farrow is going to be at, uh, at that event, too. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that'll be, be fantastic. Um, for one reason or another, the summer meetings always tend to be our largest, I think, for probably for the IETF overall, and certainly for the hackathon, and maybe just because they're typically located in Europe and it's easy for everyone to get there. So, you know, we'll have a, um, I'm sure at least, I would guess at least 150 people participating in the hackathon and probably 15 or more projects. So really great opportunity for a first-time person to have a large variety of projects to pick from and experts to work with. So yeah, it'd be great. If folks remember nothing else, if they go to ietf.org and start clicking around looking for the hackathon, they, they can find their way to being able to sign up and participate in all of that, correct? Yep, yep. It's all right there. 
Very good. Well, thank you for being our guest today. Thanks for informing us about hackathons, rough consensus, running code. I love it. Uh, both pieces are there. That's awesome. Thank you for listening to Packet Pushers today, and thanks to Huawei for helping to make this special series from IETF 98 possible. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. You can find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook, and rate us on iTunes. Last but not least, remember that too much technology would never be enough.